Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, if the birds can praise him, I guess we can. Okay, guys. Nothing, nothing. There we go. It's amazing what these things do when they work in it. It's just... God bless you. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 tonight, if you would. I'll greet you tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus. So happy to be together again tonight in the house of God. I love going to church. I love going to church. I love singing. I love praying. I love praising. I just love loving God. I just love loving Him. I was ordained to love Him, to serve Him, to live for Him, to be His. Amen. God bless you. Let's pick up where we was looking at on last Wednesday night. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you. Now, I want you to notice that Paul, because of this contention and division and stuff that's got into the Corinthian church, Paul is not unchristianizing these people. And he don't call them serpent seed, and he don't call them a bunch of devils. But he actually calls them brethren. And he said, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that y'all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Wow, wouldn't that be something? In the same mind and in the same judgment. So it's the word your judgment is the ability to look at something and look at it without impartiality. So you don't judge it for this brother and you judge it one way and then you look at that brother and you judge it another way and look at that brother and you judge it another way. But it's Paul desiring the word mind is nuos, which is different from phroneo, but it's a different word that we use the English language of mind for. But it's being able to value things, look at things, and discern them and judge them. So this is what Paul was wanting to do. Now he lays that foundation, and then he tells them why they need that. Verse 11, for it has been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you, strife, debate, variance, wrangling. Verse 12, now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Now, it was not that these people were saying, well, Paul is my prophet messenger, and uh, Apollos is an evangelist, and Cephas is one of the foundation apostolic brothers, but it was more exclusive. It was like it was Paul and no one else, Apollos and no one else, Cephas and no one else. Well, we always have people that we are blessed by, ministers, more than others. Yes, we will. Will there be certain ones that will be able to speak to us and just seem like you can receive so much from them? Yes. Is there a danger in that? Not necessarily. 
not unless you isolate that individual and you can receive from no one else other than that individual, then you're in trouble. Because then you're only one preacher away from not believing in preachers. You understand? So if you get to where you're only a one person, just a one preacher person, then all Satan has to do is to hinder you with that one preacher and you lose confidence in him or he hurts you or whatever and then you no longer believe in him at all. How many would like to be remembered tonight as we pray? God bless you. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we come tonight with thanksgiving in our hearts, Lord, gratefulness, Lord Jesus, for all that you've done for all of us. We want you to know we're so grateful that we can be gathered together here tonight, Lord, and just still so happy that we've been able to move into our place, and this is ours that you've given it to us, and we're so thankful. No more meetings at the Holiday Inn, no more here and there and there. We feel so like the children of Israel. We've arrived, and we're just so happy that we have. And Lord God, we're just thankful that you have proved yourself among us. And every time we've been here, you've met with us. And we believe and accept nothing less than that because where we are is where you wish to be. So we've come again tonight that we might be able to sing and worship and pray and testify, bring prayer requests, and just be able to submit everything that we are to you tonight. I pray that you'd help me to get out of the way. Anoint me, Father, with your presence. But that wouldn't do a whole lot if you don't anoint them. So I pray that you'd help them to be able to get out of the way. Me getting out of the way is only part of the equation. They also must get out of the way to be able to hear and to be able to receive and be able to pull. Help them, Father, that they'll be open to the channel of the Holy Ghost and they'll be able to listen and not just hear a Kentucky preacher standing up here, but they'll be able to hear the Spirit of God speaking to us tonight. Would you grant it, Lord, we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the saints said, God bless you. You may be seated. I would imagine that a lot of these people, no doubt, thought they were led of the Lord by taking this stand. Most Christians are not going to do things out of spite or envy or jealousy or because they think they're wrong. They're going to do it because they feel like they're right. And that's where that it's so tricky for us as Christians that we have to be so careful in what we do, what we say, our attitude, our frame of mind. And we judge it by the Word. Now, we're much easier to judge others many times than we are ourselves. But I figure if we would judge everything that we do, that we'd be a whole lot more capable of judging those that are around us with a proper type of judgment. So no doubt many of the people felt like that they were right in their stand. Now we know that Satan absolutely hates true oneness and unity. And if you haven't heard the sermon uh, called Oneness, just the one word oneness, preached in 1962, uh, preached at the Branham Tabernacle, and a while, it'd be good to listen to it. I absolutely love that sermon. I've listened to it, I don't know how many times in the last, in the last decade since I've been in the message, but it just speaks such volumes to my soul. And I see from that sermon, and immediately, Brother Branham doesn't talk long, he doesn't say a whole lot of preliminary stuff, but he goes straight into it, and he starts in the Garden of Eden with God and God making Adam and Eve, placing them there in the garden and showing the very perfection of oneness and what it was. 
And then he shows us how that that simple oneness was broke between the man and his wife. And then it was broke, of course, between God. And it's an absolutely powerful sermon. So Satan hates divine oneness and divine unity. And what he will try to do, he's used the very same principle for thousands and thousands of years. And that is divide unity and then reunite people under his idea of unification. Now, he'll always have an agenda. So he never divides people without already having something laid out to reunite them. Brother Branham gives several examples in that sermon there. So Satan uh, divided Eve from her husband by what? By breaking God's word, and then he united her with who? The serpent. So whenever she believed the devil's lie, then the prophet said she accepted it in her mind, and death actually stepped inside of her soul. So her unity was broke with Adam, broke with God, but then she made another decision to unite with the serpent. So breaking of unity is only step one of Satan's plan. But he will always have a reunification that he wants you and I to unite with. So if he can get us to break with the word, break with the message of the hour, break with the teachings of the truth, he always has something else. You watch people when they leave this word. When they pull away from this message, most of them will not stay on their own and have nothing to do with anybody else. A lot of them have already been uniting behind the scenes and they've been talking to this person, that person, another person, and there's already a reunification going on and they don't even consult with people that they should talk to about it, but their mind begins to question, their heart begins to question, and you watch them when they leave the word of the hour and they'll go this way, that way, that way, that way, and they will reunite again with something against the very truths that they just left. Now, that's Satan's way. It's nothing new. Now, he will have new names for new doctrines. He'll have new ideologies that'll meet the day, the request and the desire of the day. But it's the exact same principle that he used against Eve in the Garden of Eden. And that was to be able to convince her that he is so concerned about her current situation. Can't you see how he presented that to Eve? That he's presenting this uh, opinion of God and this idea of God that God is trying to deprive you. God don't really love you like he said. Or he would let you do this and that and the other. But God is, is really depriving you of so much stuff. Now he's already got a reunification plan made before he ever divides her away from the program of God. And, and his words would absolutely have been powerless If she would have not taken them into her mind, received them down into her soul, then she becomes the body by which he will enter into the human race. It's the same way with you and I. He'll try to disarm us by getting us to doubt our weapon, and then he will unite us with either fear or unbelief or trauma or symptoms or whatever it is that you're dealing with. He already has something else for you to be reunited with. If he can get you separated from the pure love of God, 
If he can get you separated from the things of God, he will reunite you with hate, with variance, with emulation, with strife, with jealousy. For everything you and I let go of that God has us united with, Satan has something there to replace it. But I'll tell you, looking at the agenda that he has, I don't want none of his garbage. He can keep it. How many will say amen? Now, let's look again and watch the master builder. Now, remember, these, this word you're identifying, Paul, is not my words, but it was Paul's word that he identified himself as a master builder. Now, we've got some brothers here in the church that I would consider to be master builders, and, and they're, they're very, very good at what they do. Now, I can build a little bit. I can take a little bit of wood and maybe build a bed, build a, you know, a, a nightstand. I can build a few things like that. But whenever I go to looking at a plan, I saw all these plans of all this that was laid out. I couldn't make head nor tail out of it. I couldn't understand one thing about it, all them angles and this and that and the other. Yep, there's brothers here that was able to do it. I saw Brother Phil Gould's take them plans and lay it out. You see these beautiful handrails that you see here, all these around through all that. I talked to Brother Phil and said, Brother Phil, I'd like something a little different. I don't want it just to be the regular standard handrail. I'd like something to be a little bit different. Well, what do you got in mind? He said, well, I, I, I've seen some handrails that I have saw in hospitals and industrial type buildings, and they're, they're larger. He said, I, I think I know what you're talking about, but I'll talk to a guy. So Brother Phil had a guy to make a profile, a profile of this and a profile of that. Now, he knew what to call it all. I didn't know what to call it. I didn't have the word for it, but by him knowing them sort of thing, he helped me to bring out something I wanted this to be able to look at. Didn't it turn out nice? And yet, for me to say, well, I want to say, look at me and say, where are you from, boy? Where in the world have you got in your mind? But for somebody that's above me in understanding, now why is Brother Phil above me? Because he knows how to build. Some of these other brothers the same way. So it's unlike me that can take a piece of walnut and transform it into something and make a nightstand for Carol or make a canopy bed or make a mirror or something like that. That's not a master builder. So Paul is not just an evangelist. Paul isn't just a preacher that could preach a good sermon. But Paul was the master builder of the first church age. Now, no doubt these people felt like that they were so spiritual because most people, when they become isolationist, in other words, they are pulling their self away from the rest of the body. I don't need a pastor, I don't need a church, I don't need this and that, I'm so spiritual and all that. Most of the time when they get there, they're already in trouble, already. So Paul is now going to identify how these people really were. They no doubt felt they were so spiritual, but notice the way Paul identifies them from 1 Corinthians 3, 3. For ye are yet carnal. Well, there went their spirituality out the window. So they probably felt they were so spiritual and they had such understanding to make Apollos their leader. And to make Paul their leader. And oh, we don't need Peter. We don't need Apollos. Now remember, Paul was a prophet and a church age messenger. And Peter wasn't a prophet, but yet Peter had some great input in the apostolic church. And Apollos was a great preacher, an evangelist, mighty. The Bible calls this man mighty in the scriptures. Now that's where we see him first appear. 
So he was a man that had great benefit into the body. But yet these people are now were divided and fussing and arguing among themselves. And Paul identifies this as not being spiritual at all, but carnal. And happy about it. Whoops, I'm sorry. Word of life. <laughs> Calling you by your own name. Hard to break them old habits. And Word of Life Church said, For ye are not carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions. Okay, so every move that has ever hit this message, Perusia, Seven Thunders, no ministry, on and on and on and on. Look at every one of them. All of these traits followed every one of those moves. Why? Because the founders of those moves, which were men with an agenda, not with the same mind that the master builder had. Now listen to him, I'm gonna run ahead of myself, but just for a few moments, that a preacher can actually build on the same foundation that the apostles laid. But he can use material that is combustible. Now Paul likens this plan of God to a house that is being built. And he said that a man can lay on this foundation material such as wood, hay, or stubble. But that's not what Paul laid. Paul laid rock, stone. So it's totally possible for a preacher to spend years of his life building on the foundation of truths, but he lays and builds the stubble of his own agenda. Or he has the wheat or the, the straw of an, of an ambition. And he's an ambitious man, an opportunist preacher that waits for an opportunity to be able to build something around himself. And the whole move is around him. That's why when these men die, the move collapses. Why? Because it's built on a man instead of built on the rock of the word. Well, let me tell you one thing tonight, word of life. If you're built on me, I feel sorry for you because I am getting to be an old man. I'm only one breath away from being out of here. So don't build on me. Build on Christ, the word. Is that right? We don't want to build on this man or no other man. Oh, Brother Donnie, we're built on Brother Branham. No, we are not built on Brother Branham. We are built on Christ, the word. Brother Branham also being a master builder, but Brother Branham did not lay himself, but he laid Christ on this pyramid of the bride. Now what? So Paul first has to kind of rebuke him a little bit. And he says, are you not yet carnal for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions? Are you not carnal and walk as men? So first of all, Paul has to strip away the symbolism that they have elated themselves into that they are so spiritual and they are so phenomenally supernatural and they know so much about this and that. And that. He said, just look at the attributes of what's among you all. And just look and see what your attitude has produced and it will tell you that carnality has moved among you. Now, notice now he's going to identify what it is. And he don't say they're sitting around with video games in their hands and they're sitting there, you know, watching TV 24-7. And he doesn't say they're out running the honky-tonks and doing all this, that, and other. But notice what makes them carnal. They are so tied up in one preacher that they don't want to hear nobody else. Well, that ain't spiritual at all. If you're that way tonight, you're carnal too. For while one says, I am a Paul, and another, I am 
of Apollos? Are ye not carnal? Now remember, he brings it over from chapter 1 on over to chapter 3. Now against Apollos' wishes, there was this, this faction in the church of Corinth against Paul's wishes. Now, the letter to the Corinthian church was actually written in the city of Ephesus. So Paul is there in Ephesus, and guess who is with Paul while he's in Ephesus? Apollos. Apollos was a great teacher, very, very smart, but also a great evangelist. Now, it was against Apollos' will as it was against Cephas' will, which is Peter, and also against Paul's will for these factions to be determined. Now, in this situation, it was not the preachers that wanted this to be this way, but it was actually Satan which was moving among the body. So Satan had got among the sheep and started dividing the sheep. Now, it was not as I said to preachers that was in the wrong. So Paul was not going behind Apollos' back and running him down. Apollos was actually with Paul when this was written. So Apollos was right there. Now, I want you to listen to this now. So Paul strongly urged Apollos to go back to the city of Corinth, but he would not go. Now listen, Paul wanted him to go because what Satan is trying to do, Satan is trying to divide the ministry. He's trying to divide the brothers. Now the division is not between themselves, but it's because Satan has been able to get on some sheep and divide them from Paul and divide these from Apollos and divide these from Cephas and then divide the other group from preachers altogether. So, and Satan wants to divide them because he knows this church is absolutely unstoppable as long as they stay together. He knew that Corinthian church was unstoppable. Remember, God spoke to Paul and told him to stay there in Corinth and he was there for about 18 months or a little longer and preached to these people and the Lord Jesus said, I have much people in this city. So the devil was gonna attack them like never before. And he couldn't get between the preachers, which is a rare thing, but he couldn't get between the preachers because the preachers were one. So what Satan did was then he divided the people. Now, do you understand what was going on here in the city of Corinth in this church? It was a demonic warfare. It was not just a difference of opinion, but demons were coming among the church people and causing them to argue and debate and fuss. And no doubt when they'd come to church, depending on who was gonna preach, you know, if Paul was up there, then they'd scream and holler. The Paulites would scream and holler, amen, glory to God. And if Apollos was gonna preach, then the others would scream and holler. Oh, how pitiful. We ought to be amening the word. We shouldn't be amening our favorite preacher who's preaching it. Is that right? Now, watch this in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 12. Paul says, as touching our brother Apollos, I greatly desired him to come unto you with the brethren, but his will was not at all to come at this time. But he will come when he shall have a convenient time. Now, Paul felt the necessity to let the Corinthian believers know he had no jealousy at all toward Apollos. 
So he makes this part of the public letter, which is going to be written to the Corinthian saints. He wants them to know that he did not keep Apollos from coming back to preach. You with me? He wanted to be able to let them people know so it would stop the mouths of them demons among the saints of God. I want you to think, friends, how sometimes when we get into situation and we say, well, it's this brother against that brother and it's this sister against that sister. If you could only look and see with spiritual eyes, it would probably scare most of us to death. It's demons. Demons out of hell getting on good people that love God. Now, as I said, these people were not demons themselves. Paul classifies them as brothers. So they were people who loved the Lord. They were people that thought they was excelling in the agenda of God. And yet demons had got among them and dividing them and they was arguing and fussing and debating. How pitiful. And it had to be dealt with. Now notice, so then Paul first, he wants to set forth, and I want you to notice what he calls Apollos. uh, As touching our brother, our brother, Apollos, I greatly desire, listen to the words now, this is not a little guy that can take up a couple of boards and build a little birdhouse. This is not a guy that can be able to take up a few boards and, and build up a hog trough to be able to feed them some slop in, but this is a master builder. So his choice of words are precise and correct and exactly what the Spirit of God would be able to help break that division which has got among the people because part of the Apollosites, no doubt they thought, well, Paul ain't gonna let him come back no more. Now we see what kind of man Paul is. He's trying to keep him away from the church. So Paul said, well, let me just let you all know, I actually invited Apollos himself to come and preach, but Apollos would not come. You imagine them devils went into heart spells. They're looking for their nitroglycerin. Oh, no, don't tell me. Oh, no, he doesn't cut our head off. That's what men of God do. They stand right there and take that word and slice the devil like pastrami. <laughs> Notice, but he said, his will, not me. Not me. There is no telling what this one verse done in the Corinthian church. <laughs> But his will was not to come at all at this time, but he will come when he shall have convenient time. Now, he does not want them to suspect jealousy. He does not want them to expect anything wrong. There's nothing wrong between them brothers. And Paul also wants them to know that he has a freedom from this type of preacher jealousy. Oh, I wish a lot of guys in our ranks had that. Why? Because it is selfish. They can't stand it to watch God bless another man. Now, listen to this. Myself, I I, I can relate maybe a little bit to the way that Apollos must have felt. Now, we know that when he first appears, the Bible says that he was a man that was mighty in the scriptures and he was taking the Bible and making known to the Jews about Christ, about who he was and of his messianic visit to the earth. But he didn't know really about the dispensation of the Holy Ghost and all that. So the fourth century historian and theologian, Jerome, uh, one of the patriarchal fathers, says about this writing from a historical perspective that Apollos was so brokenhearted because the people 
had raised up this faction in the Corinthian church, he refused to go back. There is not another place in the scripture where Apollos ever visited the church of Corinth again. Now think, why would he do that? This man was so greatly used in Corinth. I believe myself, it was Satan. Satan trying to stop that great man of God. Tried to divide the people. And if that didn't work, stop that man from ever coming back to the city of Corinth. So actually what Apollos did was he opted to stay away. And as I said, no scriptural place that we ever had that he ever went back again. Why? Why? Because the people allowed demons to get among them. Let me just share a personal story with you tonight, can I? I visited a country many years ago. I went there for special meetings. The Lord met us in a mighty way. I don't know when I've ever stood under such an anointing. There was miracles. There was healing. The the anointing on the word was just phenomenal. The Lord just really, really showed himself how great he was. That's who it was too. But after I got back home from being in that place, it was reported to me that the people of that assembly, the pastor, and some of the other visiting people that were there, began to say that my ministry was the voice of the midnight cry. Now where they were taking this from was Matthew 25. About midnight there went out a cry, go you out to meet the bridegroom. So they started trying to promote me. This is all me being totally ignorant of it. But they were saying, ah, my ministry was going to be the voice that was going to awaken the bride. What a shame. I said, what a shame. Now, when I heard that from a dear friend of mine, it like to broke my heart. And I thought, Lord, what am I to do? For years, then people have wanted me to come back I've never been back. Because all it would take would be someone to say, I think Brother Donnie believes that. It would spread around the message that I preached it or I promoted it or I believed it. And I was totally innocent. What happened? Satan getting among the people to hinder my ministry from ever being able to go back and be a blessing to that part of the world. And you look at Apollos and what a strait that the man must have been in. Now, those of you that's ever followed preachers around very much and and, uh, be with them as they preach in different places, you you probably know that preachers have certain places that they prefer to preach in. There's places I absolutely love to preach in. And then there's places I just preach in. Uh-huh, you think it's funny. You ought to be there. There's places that I go and I really don't like it. 
There's places that I go that I never feel like I can ever get off the ground. There's places I go I never have felt like I've ever reached a climax of what God would want you to go, but yet they want you to come. They say you're a blessing and you go. Oh my goodness, it's like going and getting a root canal or something like that pleasant, you know? And you think, Lord, please let me get sick. Please let something happen. Lord, let something come up. Let let there be a plane, you know, my plane will be grounded for 14 hours and I won't be able to, uh, that's just the way you feel. But yet, whenever something comes up and you're so excited about going and being a part of this convention or this and that, and you can't go, you just feel so sad and so low because it's just one of those places that God's given you favor with those people. You can't buy that favor. You cannot, you cannot get it any other way than God giving it to you. So you, can you imagine with me a little bit tonight how our brother Apollos must have felt because God used this man in such a way that he was, as far as some of the people, he must have been a man of such caliber and such understanding that some of the people, it would have been almost like this, that he just excelled to a level to what they thought was that to equivalent of Paul. Now, we know Apollos never preached that. Of course, he never believed that about himself. No doubt he had a revelation that Paul was a church-age messenger, and he would never excel to that position. But I wonder how many times, and I have thought about it in the last few weeks looking at Apollos. I don't think I've ever actually preached on the brother other than just passing, but I've been studying quite a bit about him, everything that I could find, and just thinking in my heart how the man must have felt and how sad and how he must have relived as I have the meetings that I had years ago in that place. And still in my mind, I go back to those meetings, although it's been decades ago. And I think in my heart, I'd love to go back. And I'm not saying I wouldn't go back. If God ever told me to, I would. But just that hanging over and you think, Lord, I don't ever want to be guilty of nothing like that. But I want you to notice this man now. This man was a caliber of man that would not allow his ministry to be a blessing to those that it could be a blessing to because it would have caused a division in the Corinthian church. Now I guarantee you that there was a lot of men in this first century, they would have had a total different view and a total different reaction to this scenario. If they would have heard that they had a great pull in the Corinthian church and that they had a great capacity of influence on the Corinthian people, they would have caught the first ship or the first chariot or the first donkey or the first pair of Nike shoes. And they would have hiked back to Corinth and they would have went right there. And you know what they would have done? They would have split that church wide open. But not Apollos. You see, Apollos looked at it and he weighed it out. And he realized to divide this church, how could he ever go and say, well, God bless me. And maybe, maybe Apollos could have come and said, well, the people want me to. The people are pulling on me. The people are really pulling. He could have said that. And then Paul could have come and said, and Apollos was led and pulled by a bunch of carnal-minded people, and they pulled him to make the wrong decision. Am I at my, my church tonight? I'm, I just want to make sure, because y'all ain't even breathing, are you? I don't know how you're doing that. 
So Apollos gets so upset and so tore up that Apollos joins with Zenos, which was a converted Jewish lawyer. And Apollos leaves Ephesus and he goes to Crete, way away from Corinth. He wouldn't even go nowhere near. Now keep in mind, they didn't have podcasts. They didn't have streaming. They didn't have televisions and all that sort of thing. So the only way that they could have ever heard Apollos was actually in his body form. Apollos, as far as we know, never even wrote one epistle. Not one thing. So the only way that this could be carried on was for Apollos himself to go there. But this man looked at the value and the stakes and he considered the price. So if I do this, what will it bring to the church at Corinth? What will it do to the move of God? So here he did not want to be the cause of a division in this local assembly. So he decides, I'm going the other way. I will not go back. And as I said, there's no scripture where he ever did go back. Because carnal people under the influence of demons hindered this man's ministry. Everybody want to break and go get a coat and come back? Or should I continue while I've got you? Read with me in Acts chapter 18, verse 26. Speaking of Apollos, to give you a little insight of this man's great ability. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. Now he, he was a couple of dispensations behind. But one thing I love about this preacher was he was a man that could take instruction. Huh. When you find that, you found a jewel. Keep him. Notice, so here is Aquila and Priscilla, which is a man and his wife. Now, they were living, of course, in Rome, and they were Roman citizens, and they had heard this man speak, but they knew that he was, he, he was behind. So he was taking some of the scriptures and, and showing, oh, eloquent speaker and really, really noted in the scriptures. You see, this is why this man would not cause the division in the Corinthian church because he knew the scriptures. Acts 18, 27, and when he was disposed to pass into Chia, the brethren wrote, I want you to notice now how the apostolic church moved. We say that we have been restored to the apostolic faith, but I wonder sometimes. I want you to notice how that the ministers worked with the churches. And how that a, a, an evangelist did just not go here and there and there and hand out his card and I'm going to go here. That's, that's not the way they worked at all. They went by recommendation. So this kept out a lot of sedition. This kept out a lot of wolves. Now notice what happens when the brethren hear him. The brethren wrote exhorting the disciples to receive him. So the brothers here, they write to the people at Corinth. So this man went through the apostolic 
protocol. I guarantee you one thing, we'd be a whole lot better off if we operated churches in the messes like this right here. And instead of, it's amazing to me that people can sit in a church and the pastor not use them because he knows there's something that just ain't quite right. And yet other preachers will use them and you think they don't even call the preacher, to, the pastor to ask about him? And we claim we're restored back to Bible faith? Which Bible are you reading? Now notice this is in your Bible. We are Bible believers, right? We are Bible believers. So the brethren wrote exhorting the disciples to receive him. Now, you see, the Corinthian church would not have received Apollos without reference from other people, other believers that were established in the truth. Well, this is your Bible. You can set it when you get home. Notice, so the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who, when he was come, helped them much. Now notice, so this brother, one visit, one visit makes such a powerful impact. Can you imagine what they could have gleaned out of this man's ministry for years and years and years to come if they had not allowed the devil to bring this division among them? What a shame. This man of God, Harry, was able to give them so much stuff. But I wonder how many nights that he laid on his bed and cried and wept and felt, God, what can I do if I go back? I know it's going to cause a division in the church. And it will be, my name will be associated with this down through the ages. I'm so glad that we can read this about our brother. I've done got a new hero in the New Testament. I don't mind telling you. I was laying there awake this morning before daylight thinking, I can't wait to walk up there and shake that brother's hand. God bless you, brother. Thank you for being a gallant man of God. Thank you for not going down there and you know wanting to build you a big name or a big reputation or whatever more and dividing that church at Corinth. My goodness, they had enough problems the way it was, didn't they? But I want you to notice now, that the Bible says that he helped them much, which had believed through grace. Oh, it doesn't really tell us what all that he preached, but it must have been so wonderful. Now, let me read you a few scriptures and show you that what I'm preaching here to you tonight is from your Bible, your Bible, and show you how that the church was set up and how the church was supposed to grow and multiply, and how that they actually sent letters of commendation or recommendation. And this is the way the ministry was to go out. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse one. Do we begin again to commend ourselves or need we as some others? Now notice, Paul is writing to the Corinthians and telling them, do I need letters of recommendation? I am the one who founded this church. Do I need these letters? Do y'all need me to be recommended? But I want you to notice that he's not rebuking letters of recommendation because he says, do we begin again to commend ourselves or need we as some others? So some others did need them. So it wasn't like this guy just jumped up overnight. Nobody knew him, nobody heard about him, nobody knew absolutely nothing about him and he starts taking a big tour through the message and preaching all over the world and nobody ever heard of him before. Believe it or not, that has happened in our ranks. Why? Because we don't follow apostolic forum from the Bible. And the church said, 
You see, if we would do this, it would eliminate a lot of this stuff and it would scare the liver out of a lot of these kingdom building preachers because they're afraid they'd be exposed. But they know they can move among us and do these things and very few is gonna call their hand. Well, you happen to be looking at one tonight who will. Well, praise the Lord. Now notice, or letters of commendation from you. So why is Paul quoting this? Now this seems very odd to us, but this was a common thing that was done in the apostolic era. Now this is around 57, 58 AD. So it's been going on for quite some time. So a man would just come in, hey, I'm a traveling evangelist. I like to, well, who knows you? Well, nobody. Where do you come from? Well, I'm from here and there. Well, if you're here from there, go preach here and there because you ain't preaching for us until we find out who you fellowship with. How many wives you got? How many times you've been married? What do you believe about that? Well, come on, church. Would you want me to receive anybody and everybody that comes to you to stand up here and feed to you? That preacher may be packing a lust devil. He may be packing an old fornication devil. He may packing an old pornography devil. You want me to let him stand up here and open up his soul to you and you walk out of here knowing that that same evil thing that's on him? No, sir, not as long as I'm in my right mind, I ain't doing it. Oh, my. Now notice what happens here in Acts eleven twenty two. Then tidings of these things came into the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas. Now notice how that the ministers were sent forth. They did not go on their own. Well, I, I feel led to go over here to Timbuktu and I'm gonna do this and other. No, that's not the way it was. Listen to Taking Sides with Jesus, 1962, and you'll hear Brother Branham say that he wished he had many young preachers that he could send to India, that he could send to Africa and make them outpost, was his word, an outpost in India, an outpost in Africa. And he says when he was there and many converts come to the Lord, and he said in a few days he would be gone. He said, but how I'd love to have young men and say before I leave, there'll be a young man that'll Come and associates will come with him and they're on their road and he said they'll be here to establish a church. How is it supposed to be set up? That's the way Brother Random said that it should be. Well notice the Bible now, how they done. So whenever they begin to hear of things that was going on so it come into the ears of the church in Jerusalem and they sent forth Barnabas. You mean the church sent forth Barnabas? So Barnabas didn't go out on his own. Well, I feel to go over here. I feel you'll never find them words in the New Testament. I feel to go do this. I feel to go do that. Show me where it's at. You see, friends, we have eroded from apostolic truth. And yet we pride ourselves in being apostolic. Are we really? Why does this seem so strange to you tonight? I'm reading it from your Bible. Now, notice again in Acts 15, 22. Watch this. It goes all through the New Testament. Then pleased it the apostles and the elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. So whenever disputes come up among the brethren and among the churches, so this man didn't decide, oh, I'm gonna go over and take care of all that. I'm gonna go over and fix this and that and other. I'm gonna do this and that. That's not the way it was in the Bible. Hmm. So it was before the elders and the whole church 
to send chosen men of their own company. Now, they didn't go any, many, many more. Which one should we let go? But it was men of their own company. If they're going to establish churches, if they're going to straighten out issues, they want men going from their own company. To Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, surname Barnabas, Barnabas rather, and Silas, chief men among the brethren. And they wrote letters by them after this manner. The apostles and elders and brethren. Now wait a minute, whoa, 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 whoa. Where's the thing I feel led? What's the thing what these brothers said? Now, I feel that, that I need to go over there and straighten that situation out. Where, where's that at? Well, I'm sorry, honey. You didn't know this was in your Bible. You ought to spend more time in that book instead of on Facebook. Get rid of Instagram and get instant Holy Ghost. Get rid of TikTok and get on the clock. So here they wrote letters. By them, after this manner, the apostles and elders and brethren send greetings unto the brethren which are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia. Now the main thing here that's going on is some of the Jews have said these Gentiles have got to be circumcised. They can't eat this. They can't do that. They can't do the other. So instead of one man saying, I feel led of the Lord to go over and straighten this whole thing out. They said, you sit down and shut up. We're not even choosing you. We can tell by your attitude, you're the wrong guy. So can you imagine the church assuming that they, they are the ones that's going to straighten out this issue? And if new works are going to be formed, the church is going to be the ones to do it? Well, that's only if we believe the Bible. Boy, it seems like to me it's getting hot in here. Is it just me? No, it ain't. Okay. I see some of y'all's faces getting red too. For as much as we have heard that certain which went out from us. Ah, here we go. So you see, some of them went out from them, but they were not sent from them. There is a great difference. Have troubled you with words Now listen to what they've done. Subverting your souls. You must be circumcised and keep the law to whom we gave no such commandment. And it seemed good unto us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men unto you. You see, friend, a lot of our problems is Many of us are so terrified of organization. We hate organism. Now, if message church has done this way right here, the scripture, what people say, Lord, have mercy. They're acting like denomination. Oh, no, you've got it backwards. This is the original, and denomination only took their junk from this pattern so to scare us to death. This is the way they dealt with issues. In the original church. I honestly believe there's going to be some folks restored back to the book of Acts. It seemed good unto us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, 
men that have hazarded their lives in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we have sinned. What? You mean they felt like they had the authority to sin people? It did, because they were the government of God on the earth. <laughs> if that choked you, hang on for a few minutes. This is the body of Christ. Whatever you loose on earth, I loose in heaven. Whatever you bind on earth, whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted. Whoever sins you retain, they are retained. You don't know what kind of horrible feeling that is when you stand in that predicament. When you know God will hold people accountable for something they've done and you can't even pray for forgiveness for them. I'm not talking about church anity. I ain't talking about coming to church and everybody smiling around and waving. I'm talking about us being a Bible-believing church. Oh, my goodness. Notice verse 27. We have sent. Therefore, Judas and Silas, who shall also tell you the same things by mouth. Huh. So you mean these men didn't take it on their own? They were sent from the church. 1 Corinthians 4, 17. Paul now, the church age messenger. For this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, which is Timothy. You mean Paul sent people. Paul sent people? You mean the real God called ministers could actually work with brothers in their church? They say, brother, we'd like to expand our work. Some of you brothers, I'm getting too old to fly overseas. Any of you brothers got a burden to go here and there and there? What about Kenya? What about Tanzania? What about uh, China? What about here, there, there? If you have a burden and I can see that in your heart, I will recommend you to go. You say, that's denomination. No, that's the original plan before there was ever a denomination. <laughs> oh my goodness. For this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son, faithful in the Lord, who shall bring unto you remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. 2 Corinthians 8, 16. But thanks be to God, which put the same earnest care into the heart of Titus for you. For indeed, he accepted the exhortation, but being more forward of his own accord, he went unto you, and we have sent with him the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches. So where is this stuff then of preachers going out on their own and starting their own little denominational whatever it is? Well, where does all this come from? Not from the book of Acts or Corinthians or Ephesians. What if it is? Show me. Stand right now. Hmm. Notice, I find this so amazing. 
in the way that Paul brings us out. So we have sent him with the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches. And not that only, but who was also chosen of the churches to travel with us. Oh my goodness. You mean Paul, the prophet of the age, would let some of the local churches suggest that this man and this man and this man travel with them because they'd be such a blessing and such a help. And Paul didn't have this know-it-all attitude. Glory to God, nobody tells me who travels with me. I'm the prophet. He would have never been the prophet had he had that attitude. My goodness. Can you imagine the churches, chosen of the churches to travel with us? With this grace, which is administered by us to the glory of the same Lord and declaration of your ready mind. Philippians 2.25. Yet I suppose it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. How many of these guys did Paul send? You mean to tell me Paul sent Epaphroditus. Paul sent Onesimus. Paul sent Timothy. Paul sent Titus. Paul? And the churches sent people? Friends, can't you see how contrary to Scripture, when people get in this idea, all they need to do is sit at home and listen to a tape. They don't never go to church. They don't never have no fellowship with the body. They don't ever, oh, I'm my own person. I'm an island. This is not an island move. This is a body move. We are not the Caribbean. We are not Cuba. We are a body and we need one another. You see, if our churches were set up this way, it would eliminate a lot of the stuff that goes on around us. Yet I suppose it necessary to send to you, Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor. Now watch the exhortation. What's he doing? He's giving this brother a great recommendation. Now this man's gonna go and minister and he's gonna go preach. Apparently he had never been there before. So what is he going to use? What are his credentials? Notice he don't say he jumped, he spoke in tongues, he had a vision, he had all these different signs he put before the Lord and the Lord answered all those signs. He has the recommendation of a man of God. Now to the apostolic church, that's what they look for. Not so much us. You know, we just, we just let whatever come by. Notice, my brother, my companion in labor, fellow soldier, but your messenger. And he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that he had heard, that you had heard that he had been sick. Now watch how the sickness had actually brought a union there. For indeed he was sick, nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him. Listen to this. And not only on him only, but on me also. My goodness. Lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. So Paul says, I sent him. Therefore, the more carefully that when you see him again, you may rejoice that I may be the less sorrowful. Now watch what he does. He gives them him a recommendation and then he will change it. And notice what he tells them now to do. Here he comes with this letter and he's telling them what to do. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord 
with all gladness and hold such in reputation, in high honor, attain to our great position. Wow. So this is an instruction from the church age messenger to be able to speak to us, say the church at Philippi, if we've been in that day. And you, this brother comes through and we can tell this is Paul's handwriting. This comes straight from Paul and he comes with this mighty recommendation that he's a brother, a fellow laborer in the gospel. Well, if Paul says this about him, praise the Lord, we will receive him. But what if he just comes back and say, hey, hey I heard y'all go to church over here. I like to preach for you. I believe the message. I believe Malachi 4. I believe God sent a prophet. Every devil in hell believes that. It ain't no wonder we get so much garbage going on around us. Mm-hmm. Colossians 4.10. Aristocrus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you. And Marcus, sister's son to Barnabas. Now this was Marcus, which was St. Mark. Touching him who you received commandments. If he come unto you, receive him. You mean this was a common practice, recommendation, letters of commendation. You understand? So what is Paul doing? Paul does not want them people to only read his books. He wants them to hear other God call men. Well, if God started out his church that way, he ain't gonna end it by just playing the prophet's tapes. And somebody said, God never started his church out that way and he ain't gonna end it up that way, but he's gonna end it up the same way that he started with one man receiving the word for the age, others going out called by the same Holy Ghost, preaching the same message, bringing up the very end time as it started. That was the alpha, this is the omega. Oh my. Now notice this, brother. If he come unto you, receive him. Now you can tell by the way Paul is writing this that he's not really sure which way this brother is gonna go. Notice in Philemon chapter one, verse 10. I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, who I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable. <laughs> wow, we gotta watch these preachers. They will, they will tell the good and the bad and the ugly on you, won't they? Now I don't know if how much you know about Onesimus, but Onesimus was a runaway slave. And whenever he'd run away from his master, then Paul was able to meet him. And Paul was able, by the grace of God, to bring this man to a true conversion. And Paul actually writes back a letter to the owner of the slave. And he says, anything that he's done wrong, lay it to my charge. Whatever's happened, whatever he's done. But now Paul is going to send forth this brother. Can you imagine how this guy had quite a reputation? But if there's anybody that can help remove this brother's bad reputation... It's a master builder because he knows how to take words and assemble them together orchestrated by the Spirit of God and watch it go straight to the hearts of God's sheep and watch that hard feeling just dissipate. Why? He's a master builder. He ain't building a house made of steel and stone and wood and clay, but he's taking revelation by revelation by revelation and laying that inside the hearts of the saints. I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me. Watch the recommendation now. Whom I have sent again. Thou therefore receive him. Receive him. You mean this was an apostolic practice. 
Well, according to what I've read to you tonight, it was. So they would send out these preachers and they would go forth and preach and they would go with new works and go here and there and there. And it was help holding back and holding down a lot of the error that they knew inevitably would come. You know what amazes me? The prophet of God that come in this day followed in that same pattern. Now, Brother Random knew that his message was going to be relatively new to the world. To us, it's not new. It's a restoration. But to the world, it would be relatively new. And it would be a lot of people coming out of systems, coming out of things they were into. So he's got to be so careful how he lays the initial stages of this message. So if they leave their denomination with hate in their heart, and they leave their denomination with a lack of respect, and they leave their denomination with a smart attitude and a know-it-all attitude, then they bring that in and that becomes the foundation of the new move. You understand? So the foundation is so important. March is a, a very special month to me. March the 27th, 1983, I stood in my Pentecostal church down in Kentucky and introduced the message. March the 27th, 1983. So next week be, what, 40 years? So it's a very special time to me. So sometime after that, I had Brother Willard Collins to come from the Branham Tabernacle. Many of you have heard his name. He's actually Brother Paul Phillips' grandfather. And Brother Paul actually came down with him, just as a younger guy, of course. And whenever he was there, I said, Brother Collins, he was going to speak for us. And I said, would you share some things with me and my family? Uh, things that you saw, things that you heard being around Brother Branham. And he told me several different things, but he told me this. And it always stood out to me. I never knew why he told me. But I've shared it with people all over the world pertaining to different circumstances in their life. Brother Collins was a ministerial study guy. Y'all heard of the revival so-called that's been going on down in Asbury College in Kentucky? Y'all heard about that? A Methodist college down there? Okay, some of you have. Brother Collins, actually, that's where he came from. So he was a seminary student. He was a Methodist. So he come to the message, and actually did, he felt that he had to leave and pull away from them, got rebaptized and all of that. So he said that he went to Brother Branham and said, Brother Branham, how should I leave? How should I leave the Methodist church? He said, Brother Collins, leave as peaceable as possible. <laughs> wow. Now, this is not going to be deep, okay? You won't need your life jacket. You won't need a boat because it's so deep it's going to be over the top of your head. It's going to be so simple. Leave as peaceable as possible. Go to them people and thank them for everything they have done for you. Thank them for the years that they have let use you in their churches. And he went through a whole bunch of stuff. And I thought, wow, what a way to deal with him. Now, to me, that's not just a way to leave a church, but that's a way just dealing with humanity in a congenial, nice, Christian way. Now, you imagine you're walking there. You're a bunch of devils. You're nothing but serpent seed. I am now following the prophet of Malachi 4. I indict the whole Methodist generation. I indict you all. You're going to hell. Well, now that would have been real respect, wouldn't it? It's amazing how many message folks still don't know how to leave a church. It's amazing how they don't even know how to treat one another. 
and treat the sinners out here. Look, friends, be kind to them. It's the only kindness some of them will ever have. You can't go wrong by being nice to people. The Bible teaches us such. Now, I want you to notice then when Brother Brandon was here, he's preaching a controversial message, and he has a great phenomenal ministry, of course, as we know, in miracle signs, wonders, things like that, and he calls his people to be drawn toward him in, in many different avenues of life, and he knows this. So now Brother Branham is going to be faced with a dilemma. How do I deal with some of these people that are seeing what I'm preaching and they're coming out of those systems? How am I going to deal with them? What, what, what should I say? How should I do it? Now, if he lays the wrong foundation and if he raises this message out of rebellion, hatred, standing against all the preachers, will they ever get rid of that attitude? Or will they not come into the same message with this attitude of rebellion and standing against everything and everybody? Hmm. Notice this. Queen of the South, 1958. Now, Sunday, we don't ask people to leave their post of duty unless the church has fully cooperated and you have no services at your church. We're here as a visitor. We don't want to pull anyone from their post of duty. Ah, sounds like Apollos. We're trying to help that church grow. And we want every member at his own church. Wow. And we want every member at his own church. And if you have sickness and you want to be prayed for tomorrow night. Oh, dear God, don't tell me he said this. But do message people have this loyalty to their position? No. Why? Well, there's one of two things. Either you've never heard this before or you've heard it and you simply don't believe it. Permission from your pastor? Tell him what you want to do. Wow. Now he knows he's calling out. So if he said... If he tells you not to come and be prayed for, he's an old devil anyhow. Y'all just come on. And, and if that person comes to the message, what kind of attitude do you think they're going to come with? Boxing gloves on. Don't tell me, bless God. I'll tell you one thing. I'm not my last pastor out. I sure would care to knock you out, Donnie Reagan. Can I go on? Thank you. Now, if your church is having church tomorrow night, you sick. Just ask your pastor. I'm sure he would excuse you to come if you don't get into the line or get prayed for tonight. Wow. Some of you maybe wrote me letters and I answered the best that I could. Now the questions you asked me in doctrine, I referred you back to your pastor. You see, because I, I don't do that. It, it's nice. I appreciate you putting that much confidence. But you see, all of us would agree or on basics agree on the same thing. But each man, maybe two or three sitting here wouldn't. And I'd say, ask your pastor, see, because sometimes it causes a little friction in the church. And we definitely want that. Because we want all you people to come out of them churches and leave them. And we're, we're here to bust up every church in the country. Well, what I'd like to know is, if Brother Branham didn't say that, where does that spirit come from? And it's been among us since this message started. 
Oh, Jesus. Brother Ram says, a little friction in the church, and we don't want that. Now, this is what he wanted. We want you to be in harmony and one accord. Now, I'm fixing to tell you what song your pastor is like. I think of your pastor like the song Amazing Grace. It was grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace will take me on. So here's the way Brother Branham likened the God called pastors. It was grace that brought you safe thus far, and grace that'll take you on. Well, why does not he incite the people to rebellion? And drop the doctrine of serpent seed. And drop the doctrine of marriage and divorce and this and that and the other. I don't care. I want to preach it in here. Bless God, I feel led to do it. I'm here to call out a bride. Careful, Brother Branham. You're laying the foundation. Now, a lot of men have come in and they've laid this on the foundation and that on the foundation and that on the foundation. Total different attitude and spirit than the master builder of our age. I hate to say it, but it's the scripture, so I've got to. Some men's work will be burned and annihilated, but they themselves will be saved. So as by fire. I just quoted to you a scripture. Oh my. Notice this. Again, Jezebel religion, 1961. Now, this is one of Brother Bram's favorite places. He had great favor among these people. I've actually talked to some of the people years ago whenever I first went up to this part of the country that was there in those meetings. So many people write me questions about marriage and divorce and so forth, which is a tangle in the church. And I always refer them back and say, ask your pastor. People wrote me letters here and said, what about this and what about that? I'll refer the letter back. You get it. See your pastor on little things because after all, he's your shepherd. He's the one that God sent to watch over you. Wow. And we might disagree on it, then that causes. Oh, I saw confusion in the church. Was, was God doing it? That's what some people think. Wow. Huh. We don't want that. No, no. We just want you to quit doing things that's sinful. <laughs> things out of the Bible. Keep moving on. And you cause little frictions and things like that. That upsets the church. You mean Brother Branham is concerned about the church being upset and frictions in the church. Brother Branham don't think that's okay? So I'd rather your pastor tell you about marriage and divorce and these things and them things. Let him do it. He's God's servant. He's equipped to do it. Can anybody just at least squeak out it? Thank you. Now, many of you people are writing me letters. Now, wait a minute. Why didn't Brother Branham say, well, the people are pulling me into it? Like Apollos could have said, I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it. But I had to. I had to do this. I had to do it. That's a deceived individual. Anyone who thinks God would lead them to break his Bible is a very deceived individual. That includes me, you, 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 or anyone else. God never leads any of us over the pattern of his word. So I wonder how many of our message churches have this foundation that I've read to you tonight. 
Is it any wonder that over time they collapse? You see, a church built upon this foundation of rebellion and disobeying God's word, how can it last? It cannot. And it's heartbreaking because some men pour years into it and they built upon a foundation of sand. And they labor and they sweat. I always felt so sorry for women pastors. I mean, first of all, they ain't even called. You imagine all the prayer, all the sweat, and all the preaching. I've seen some of them that could preach better than some men I knew. <laughs> That's a marvel. I mean, we used to live in West Virginia, and there's a woman, a woman preacher there, and she was one of Carol's favorite preachers. <laughs> because the woman really had some understanding, didn't she, girl? I mean, she really had some understanding. She wasn't just an ABC preacher. She got down to XYZ, and she wasn't even called to do it. And she fought such burdens and she was under such a heavy load all the time. I thought it ain't no wonder, woman. Get home, bake some pumpkin pies or apple or do something. You ain't supposed to be preaching. But can you imagine when a woman preacher stands before God and maybe she'll be saved and she will absolutely lose every bit of that work because she overstepped God's word. I suffer not a woman to assert authority over a man, but to be in silence as also saith the law. So she labors, she studies, she preaches in vain. Dear Lord. Oh my God, help us, Lord Jesus. How many loves him with all your heart? Well, if you can't stand, I'll come up and pray for you. If you want to, you can try to mosey up. Many of you write me letters and saying, Brother Branham, should we do this or do that? I always say, ask your pastor, because I'll do anything I can to answer on the great fundamental evangelical doctrines of the Bible. But when it comes to about should we do this or that, always refer to your pastor. Each man, or there isn't two here, but what would disagree with one or the other on little technical things. Whether we should comb our hair on the right side or the left, and mine I have no trouble, he says. <laughs> but you know what I mean. When we have those things, so I always just say, Every congregation, ask your pastor. If he's led you far enough to be saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, can't you trust him the rest of the way through if God honored him for that? Oh, why isn't he telling all of them to flee and leave? Can't you see the attitude you leave in? You will take with you and you will rejoin and rebuild What's that attitude? So if it's hatred, variance, emulation, strife, it don't make a difference what you think you're led to do. Look at what's following you. Look at the fruit. I always had people, told people to write me questions outside of what I preach on the platform. Here's my secretary. What about this? What about that? Ask your pastor. If he's led you this far until you receive the Holy Ghost, he'll take you on. Ask your pastor. You see, because little things like that causes confusion. Therefore, I leave away from it. You mean Brother Branham, the messenger, the seventh angel. People may ask him the question. He had the right answer, and he wouldn't answer it because it would cause confusion in the church. And yet many of our message preachers, they don't care how much confusion they call. They don't care how much division. I hate to be some of them, friends. I don't mind telling you. 
I just heard of one in South Africa last week that went into a church under a terrible circumstance. A brother that had a pastor that had been there forever, had a debilitating situation, and a preacher right from among them went in, and while this pastor was sick and going through so many things, and divide that church. Take advantage. If that pastor ever needed people to stand with him, it was then. And they turn and walk away from him. And eventually the brother died. And some of the people telling me about it said they thought it was the breakup that finally just killed him. That preacher and them people will stand before God. Friends, this is serious. Church is serious. Church ain't like a grocery store. Well, I think I'll go over here. I think I'll go over there. You better not go anywhere until Almighty God tells you himself. Well, I feel led. Well, if you feel led, the prophet of God said, if you ever feel led to do anything, put it with the word and consult your pastor. But you know what? People don't even believe that one either, do they? Do you understand what it's going to be that day when people walk before God and they're going to be judged by this message, Brother Larry, they've heard preached. We make fun of these out here. I ain't worried so much about them. I'm worried about us. We say we believe this and we look down our noses at people who don't. You only believe how much you obey. Let me say it again. You only really believe how much you obey. Same for me or anybody else. Well, everybody's mad at me. could take me out and buy me supper tomorrow night. Or we could have one over here, I guess. Except all of you that's mad, please don't cook anything. I may have a bellyache after church. Don't you love him, saints? Think about it. Think about it, what Satan tried to do. He's done it down through the ages. Our church isn't exempt from it. Brother Tim Pritch's church isn't. Brother Ron Spencer, no church in the message is exempt from Satan trying to destroy us. But a lot of it is up to us if we will allow it. The Corinthian church could have stopped this in its tracks, but they were the very ones Satan was using. Do you understand that the church people could stop a lot of these false preachers? A lot of these preachers that ain't a bit more sin of God than the man the moon is. And the church people could stop it. Don't listen to them. They're off the word. Don't give them the time of day. But instead of doing it, they follow them around. God help us. Let's bow our heads together. Oh my Brother Bram says he was in a prayer line the other night and he said the biggest majority of the people that led across the platform to him, by the time they got to him, they were already healed. He said because their pastors were standing there praying for him. And by the time they got to him, God had already moved for him. Why? God heard their prayers. Heavenly Father, I pray you would help us, Lord. May we go back to our foundation. May we look tonight, Lord, at who we are and where we are, what we believe and why we believe it. That we believe your Bible, 
Do we believe the apostolic pattern? Oh, how we've seen Satan divide, separate down through the ages. You knew it would come. Oh, yeah, you could have stopped it, but you didn't. Because you knew there were people in there that didn't really believe. And you would let false teachers get among them to pull them away from the real body. Lord God, I pray you would help us, Jesus. If you see anything in me tonight, Lord, that displeases you, please show me. If there's anything in my foundational belief, God, help me. I'll go back and dig it up. I want to be right, Lord. May you look at every man, woman, boy, and girl in this place tonight. May we open our hearts and our souls to you and say, Lord, search us. We don't want our work to be in vain. So a preacher could give a great portion of his life and yet wind up his work, be destroyed and burned. The same master builder wrote that and said every man's work will be tried as by fire. So if a man built upon this foundation, wood, hay, stubble, the fire will try his work. And if it will not stand the test of the fire, his work will be destroyed, yet he himself will be saved, yet so as by fire. Lord, I don't want that to be me. I don't want that to be these people. I don't want our work to be annihilated and destroyed because we got in permissive will. We built upon a foundation other than your word and we laid wood, hay, stubble, pride, arrogance, emulation, strife on the top of a stone foundation. How can stone adhere to strife? How can stone be cemented to arrogance? How can stone be submitted, cemented rather to personal agenda? Can't be, Lord. Must be one stone upon another. Search us, Lord. Try us, Lord. Look at us, dear God. Begin with me. I'm the shepherd. Look at my heart, my motives, my objectives. Try me, Lord. Help me, Jesus. Lord, these other ministers here, the deacons, the trustees, the song leaders, the musicians, Sunday school teachers, brothers, sisters, our children, search all of us, Lord. We don't want our work to be burned and destroyed and then we stand before you that day empty-handed. Some of these preachers that think they're doing so much and all they brought is division and separation among the body and they'll stand before you that day and not have one thing to present to you. How sad. How sad. Search us tonight, Lord God, I pray in the name of Jesus. Oh, Father, we want our work to be tried so we can be true. We want our hearts to be faithful. If you see any motive in me that's wrong, any objective, any opportunistic ideas or opinions, show me, Lord. I'll make it right. Oh, Jesus, may our church 
be built upon the rock of your word. And if it is, all hell can prevail against it, but it will never overcome us. All hell may try and may challenge every individual here like never before, but if we're built upon your word, there's not enough devils in all of hell that can destroy your church. Carol was reading to me the other day, Lord, where they put it in the new church directory and how the church was started. I was told her, I said, I'm so glad they did that to give the people an idea of kind of where it started from. Originated all those years ago in the 60s and started from a little small group and then grew and grew from one stage to another, to another, to another, to where we are today. Where would we be today, Father, had it not been for some of those forefathers? They had a hard time. They went through difficult challenges. Many of them that she was reading about, I didn't even know them, of course. But I thanked you for them, Lord, because I realized that's what made a way for us to be here tonight. Many of them would probably marvel. Some of their kids here tonight, some of their family. Well, some of them old-timers would walk and say, well, oh, my goodness, oh, I can't believe you. I mean, this is, where it, this is what it's wound up being. Oh, my, that's the way it is. We make the way for those coming behind us. Oh, Lord God, but what are we leaving for them? Are we teaching them rebellion? Are we teaching them disrespect to your word, to your men? I can't imagine what another generation of these preacher-hating, tape-only people are going to produce. Already this generation ridicules, laughs, and blasphemes preachers. What will their children be? God have mercy. And they'll stand before you that day and there will stand your prophet. And they will have to answer for every one of them quotes where he laid hands on preachers and ordained them to preach. And they'll have to answer for every joke, for every blasphemous thing they said about preachers. Lord God, help us. Help us, Jesus. Search us, Lord. Hallelujah. Anybody here with me tonight say, Lord, search me. I want to look at my heart, my soul. I want to make sure what I believe, what I'm doing, what I'm a part of, Lord. I want to make sure it's your word. I want to make sure my attitude. Help me, Lord. Hallelujah. Sing what you're playing there. You just make that place right there where you're standing, your altar. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It's just as we sing it together, open our hearts to the Lord. Lord, search it. Brother Donnie, what if I find back, back years ago that I, I didn't leave a church, I, I didn't do this and that? Well, be man or woman enough to ask the Lord to forgive you. That's what you do. Just ask the Lord, Lord, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize till tonight. I didn't realize. Let's just open our hearts to him, can we? All over the building. Those of you that are streaming, let the presence of God move there in your home, your car, your office, wherever you are. May the Lord Jesus just search us. We're not afraid of the word, are we? We're a word church, are we not? We're a word church. We believe this Bible. We believe it. So we're not afraid to hear it preached. We're not afraid for it to burn us even. We're not afraid for 
is to open our hearts and judge us and discern us. We'll measure up. You mean, Brother Donnie, you're not ashamed to say you've been wrong? <laughs> you crazy? I'm wrong nearly every day of my life. But I hope I've always got a teachable spirit. I hope other men of God can come to me and tell me, Brother Donnie, pray about this, pray about that. You mean you would let somebody do that to you? Absolutely. And yet I've had men that's decades younger than me. I would try to talk to them and sit and look at me as bald-faced and as stubborn and not hear one thing you've got to say. And I pray, God, don't never let me be like that. Let's sing together. Lord, if there's anything in me that needs to be changed, make it make it true. If I was ever disrespectful to any of my Pentecostal forefathers, I was ever disrespectful, Lord God, in any way, forgive me, Lord. I've ever been disrespectful to any of your people, Father, forgive me, Lord. I want to be clean. I want to be right, Lord. When your children stand before me for prayer, I want nothing in my way, Lord God, that you won't hear me. Lord, when they come with bondage of sin or bondage of oppression or whatever, I don't want nothing in my life, nothing in my heart, Lord. Anything I've ever done in any way, Lord God, that would displease you. Even if I was ignorant, forgive me, Lord. Forgive us tonight, Jesus. Cleanse us, Lord God, I pray. Oh, let's be the clay tonight, church. In the hands of the great potter. Hallelujah. Everybody, let's raise our hands and sing it. Change my heart, oh God.
like you, Jesus. Nobody can hold me like you, Jesus. Nobody greater. There's nobody greater. Nobody greater. Nobody greater than you. Listen to our hearts, hear our spirits sing, a song of praise that flows from those you have
enough to tell you of our love. Just listen to our hearts. So
spirit sing a song of praise that flows from those you have redeemed and we will use the words we know to tell you love me I'm amazed how you care through your precious blood I found pardon and my sins are washed they're all washed away all my sins are washed Evening. Oh, I'm amazed that you love me. I'm amazed how you care through your precious blood. I found pardon, and my sins are washed. They're I've gone astray, oh, but I've learned your love is stronger than my weakness, and your ear is open 
every time I pray. Oh, no one else has ever cared for me like you, Lord. Other friends can never be as close to me. I'm not afraid to face the problems of tomorrow. No. I'm amazed how you care through your precious blood I found pardon and my sins are washed they're all washed away all my sins are washed away oh no one knew how alone I was feeling and the emptiness I tried so hard to hide though I laughed and said my life was fine without you well I was covering up the secret tears I cried then one day someone told of your mercy and the love you showed on a hill called Calvary there you died and purchased my salvation when you broke sin's power and set my spirit free I'm amazed that you Yeah. 